Thank you, New York. Today, we're reminded of the power of community and the power of coming together. Athletes, on your mark. The first woman to finish for the second straight year here in the New York City Marathon is Mickey Gorman, a smiling Mickey Gorman, and why not? 2.29.30, the time for Gritterbikes. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line. Pointing to his chest, pointing to the USA. He so proudly wears across his chest. A great day for Mev Kapleski. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Set the Pace, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners. I'm NYRR CEO Rob Simulcare, and it's great to have you with us. My partner in crime, Meb Kofleski, is away this week, and so I'll be flying solo today. And had a chance to see Meb actually down in Orlando, Florida, for an incredible weekend this past weekend, watching the U.S. Olympic marathon trials. That was a great experience. My first time attending the trials. Great race. Great results. Uh, we'll talk about that as we go down uh, the show here. But uh, really excited today to have a great, great guest with us, an incredible marathoner and an amazing follow on Instagram, just a great person, Shawana White, one of the best African-American marathoners we've seen in the sport, is going to join us, talk about her journey and get a little bit of uh, her feedback on the race this weekend as well. She also attended the trials. So Shawana White will be with us in just a minute. But the weekend was about more than just marathons. In New York, New York Roadrunners, we had a great weekend in the New York area. Two different events, very different events. On Saturday, we actually had our first ever community fun walk. We debate a lot at Roadrunners about walking and how much we should, you know, be into the walking part of walking and running. We do a lot already with our Striders program. Well, we had a great walk on the Brooklyn Bridge on Saturday in partnership with the New York City Department of Transportation. It was a great day. 200 New Yorkers of all ages walked across one of the most iconic landmarks in New York, the Brooklyn Bridge. Great opportunity to celebrate walking is one of the many ways that NYR and New Yorkers can stay active. And so that was a great day. Thanks to everybody who came out for that one. Thanks also to our partners at the New York Department of Transportation for helping us put that great event on. And then Sunday, oh, what a perfect day in Central Park for the NYRR Manhattan 10K. We got an incredible turnout, more than 5,000 runners, about 5,400 came out just a picture perfect sunny morning in early February met by the Bethesda fountain and just had a great day out there those of course are two of the more than 40 races a year that we put on at New York Roadrunners this coming weekend we'll be right back at it in Central Park Sunday it'll be the NYRR Gridiron 4 mile race presented by the Flag Art Foundation so we'll hope to see some of you out there Sunday morning as well all right, we'll have Shawana White joining us in just a moment. But first, a reminder to everybody out there, we're in our second week of a three-week giveaway here on Set the Pace. We're giving away two more bibs to this year's 2024 United Airlines half. Be sure to like, to follow, and to subscribe so you don't miss your chance to gain a coveted complimentary entry, free entry into the NYC half. Here's how it works. At the end of the show, we're going to ask a trivia question, then you'll send your answer along with a screenshot showing us that you've subscribed to Set the Pace and you've left a rating. Send it to the email address nyrrpodcast at nyrr.org. That's nyrrpodcast 
at nyrr.org. So keep listening to the podcast. We'll get to our trivia question and your chance to win a free entry into the United Airlines NYC half. All right, that's enough from me. I'm very excited to kick off Black History Month here at New York Roadrunners by welcoming Shawana White to set the pace. And if you follow Gary Corbett's The List, you probably already know Shawana as the living embodiment of excellence in Black American running history. She's featured on that list as the ninth fastest U.S.-born Black female marathoner. Not only that, Shawana makes a second appearance on that list as the holder of the most sub-three-hour marathons of any U.S.-born Black female marathoner, 16 sub-three-hour marathoners. If you follow Shawana on Instagram, you know she's about a lot more than running. She's into dancing, the Friday dance parties, her hashtags, keep it positive and sexy pace, which I love, keep her really, really fun and just keeping the spirit of running and fun alive on Instagram. Shawana, it's great to have you with us on Set the Pace. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. It's really great to have you. Love following you on Instagram. Love seeing you in Orlando. You and I didn't get a chance to connect, but I know you were there watching the trials as well. Tell me, what, what did you think of the event, the incredible uh, runners we saw? Obviously, congratulations to Connor Mance and Clayton Young on the men's side, as well as Fiona O'Keefe, Emily Sisson, and Dakota Lindworm, who all qualified for sure, still waiting to see if a third man will get in for the U.S. But what was your uh, take on the weekend? Uh, it was it was amazing. It was it was the best weekend ever. Like I, I love the trials. I mean, I tried to qualify for the trials in 2020. I missed it by 19 seconds, but I still went to that trial. And this trial, it was just wow. Like especially on the women's side. Like I knew that Fiona O'Keefe was gonna have a good day, but I did not know she was going to win the whole trial. Like, so that was pretty wild. And then on the men's side, I knew Connor and Clayton were going to go one and two. That third spot, I was just like, it was up for grabs. And it was great to see Lenny have a good, you know, a good race after coming fourth in 2020. So that was pretty amazing to see. It was amazing. And you mentioned Fiona O'Keefe making the Olympic team, winning the trials, setting a record in the women's U.S. marathon trials in her first ever marathon. And Shawana, you know what an accomplishment that is. I mean, you are an experienced marathoner. You've you know, gone under three hours all these times, but can you imagine first time ever and putting on a performance like that for uh, her in you know, 2.22.10? So just an incredible performance there by Fiona O'Keefe. Yes, it was it was amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about you. And, and I'm just so curious when I meet someone like you who does what you do. You're such a great runner, a teacher as well. You're 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 joining us right now from your school where you teach K through eight. Uh, talk to me about how you first got into running. Oh, well, yes, that's that's a great that's a great story. Um, it originally started when I was in middle school um, doing field day. Um, I participated in all the running events and my PE coach, she asked me to come out for track in middle school. So I asked my grandmother and she said no. So that was the end of that story. And so maybe about three to four years later, when I was in 10th grade, 
my high school coach, he actually approached me in the office and asked me to run track. And I was like, wow, here we go again. I already know the answer to this. So I told him if he wanted me to run, he needed to ask my grandmother. And so he asked my grandmother. She said yes, as long as he bring me home. So and then the rest is history. I've been running ever since. You know, we see that story so often. It's a teacher, a coach, or someone who is the first one to get someone into running, right? It's not always intuitive. And, uh, you know, Meb talks about his story of running in PE class and, you know, the the teacher there, the coach saying, whoa, you are fast. You're going to run the Olympics someday. You know, what do you think that tells you about the importance of teachers and coaches? And you are one now in playing a role, getting people into this sport. Yeah, I mean, as a teacher, it's it's so amazing how we can have a small impact on a child. I mean, me being a teacher myself, I never like push my students to participate in a particular sport, but the joy when they come and tell me that over the weekend, Coach White, I, I jump rope. If we was working on jumping, jump rope, they would come back and tell me, I practiced my jump rope over the weekend. So you just never know just by speaking to that child, just encouraging that child to try new things. You never know how you're influencing them to just try new things. And, you know, sometimes you need an extra push to try things like myself because I had no reason to, like, run track or even try track. All I was focused on was just going to school and, you know, just learning. And I'm really thankful for my coaches seeing, you know, the talent in me and encouraged me to come out. So, I mean, we... We teachers, we play a very, very important role in the children. Now, Shuana, you know, being an African-American woman, it's not uncommon to go out to a track event, right? You go to a track meet or try out for a track team. You look to your left, you look to your right. You're going to see other people who look like you, right? I mean, African-Americans in track, it's a big part of, of black sporting culture in the United States. But moving up from those track distances to the road, right, into the longer distances, that becomes more and more rare for African-Americans. What was it that inspired you to start going to those longer distances and, and ultimately becoming such an accomplished marathoner? Well, it goes back to high school, Rob, because my um, in high school, I ran the 800, 1600, and the 3200. And I remember going home telling my parents my events. And my parents, my own parents thought my coach was crazy. Like, he didn't know what he was doing because, you know, typically African-American people, we run the sprints, like you were stating. So it started back in high school with my high school coach. And then later I ran in college where I was primarily, I wanted to start off at the 800 and 1500 and he gave me the opportunity to do that. And then after one year, he was like, okay, white, you're moving up to the 5,000. So, you know, that push from my college coach helped me to realize that, you know, you're not the fastest kid on the block. You know, you, you run for a long time and very fast. And so it just, it just goes back to those coaches that I had in my life that influenced me to go in that direction because I didn't see anybody that looked like me at the start lines, even when I started to run 5Ks, because in high school, my even during the summertime, my high school coach would put us in a 5Ks, and I didn't see anybody look like me. And when, even in high school, when we went to like the region, that's when it started, you know, the 
the field change because like I went to Atlanta public school. So that's primarily African-American. So all we see are, are people that look like us when we go to cross country. But then when we get to the higher level, it's, it's none of us out there. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a classic story. And do you think it, clearly you had ability at the longer distances and a coach saw that why do you think more African-American runners don't make that move? I mean, clearly there is a, an expectation, I think, may, maybe among the runners themselves, right? And maybe among coaches and others that, oh, yeah, you see a, an African-American runner, let's put him in the 100, put him in the 200. Um, but that ability for you and your coaches to see your ability at those longer distances, why do you think we don't see more of that? And what do you think it's going to take to start to see more um, African-American runners start stretching out to these longer distances? Yeah, I think it's going to take what having coaches and teachers and just, you know, the students and athletes having a possibility to see people that look like them in the sport. Like I was a coach in Georgia for eight years and me and my assistant coach at the time, when we had our meeting with the parents, we let them know at the beginning, I said the whole thing about being the fastest your kid may be the fastest kid on the block, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your kid is going to be a sprinter. You're going to have to trust us and our ability to know that we're going to put your child in the best event that suits him or her. So I think it just go back to coaches and programs. Like in Atlanta, they Atlanta they have the kilometer kids, and like in my school, you know, we had track, but we also had kilometer kids, and kilometer kids get the kids used to running one mile. I don't know what it is now because I no longer live in Atlanta. But at that time, it was just one mile. So I think just having programs in places, you know, and organizations like Black Girls Run and Black Men Run, where they're going back out and reaching out to the community to help young people. So I think if we just keep having programs like that, and I, I don't, I think you guys may do something with kids as well. So Lots. I just think we just need to keep having programs exposing kids in these areas to distance running. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. You mentioned the mile. I always feel like the mile is that gateway to distance running. You know, when you've, you're, instead of just doing that sprint or that 200, even the 400, right? Now you're going around that track about four times and it's a different mindset. You are now in the endurance game. You can still have a nice kick and run fast at the end, but I've always felt like that's the that's kind of the tipping point to turning into a potential distance runner, and that's uh, clearly what it was for you too, Shawana. You you call yourself a serial runner, and it's it's incredible your your how much you run. You sometimes run several races in a weekend. You you go from one milers to ultra marathons. And by the way, I heard not only were you at trials in Orlando this past weekend, but you ran the Orlando Magic 5K as well. So you, you got a chance to get a run in. Um, your, your, your tagline is great. You have a hashtag, keep it positive, um, which I love. Talk about that. Keep it positive. What does that mean? And how can it sometimes be hard to keep it positive, you know, even in, in running with the obstacles we all have to overcome? Yeah. I mean, keep it positive is just about 
finding the good in all type of situations. And I'll give you an example with my own self. Back, like I said, back in 2020, I was trying to qualify for the trials and I ended up running 245.19. And I remember Zika Henry, the first professional pro triathlete, she was saying to me, because I was in her hometown, I ran the One City News Marathon. And she's like, I don't understand why you're not crying. And I was like, how can I be crying? I just ran my fastest marathon ever. Like, this is a PB. So, yeah, I missed the ultimate goal of qualifying for the trial. But in that result, I I ran my PB. And, like, you know, I just always been naturally a positive person, always hoping for the best. And even though it may not happen, even in high school, I would always I was on a four by four and I would tell my the girls that we're going to make it to state. And I was like, no, we're not. And I was like, come on, we just got to believe. We just got to try. We got to give ourselves a shot. You know, it's just, you know, keep it positive. It's just, you know, you're going to have those moments where you still may cry. But for me, if you're going to cry, in my case, you know, it's not going to be an all day thing. And if I do cry, because now I'm to the point about races where I don't cry because there was a time in my life where every single race I would get so upset and there's no reason to get upset because there are more chances and opportunities to try again. As long as you have the chance to try again, you know, that's the good in it. And that's that's the fun in it, like in running. Like, you know, you mess up. Guess what? You can try again unless it's 26.2 miles. You may have to wait some months so you can recover, you know. But, you know, if you like me, when I was at my prime, then you just go run another marathon next weekend. But that's not for everybody. <laughs> Well, you do run a lot. And by the way, you know, I, I love the the attitude, the the positivity is so key to keep going in a sport like this, to keep going in general, right? You just got to have that positivity to keep pushing forward, whether it's in running or in life. We talk about that all the time. How do you fit it all in now, Shawana? You're, you're a full-time PE teacher, K through eight. You're running races every single weekend. Obviously, you got to train as well. Like, What's the, what's the schedule? Like everybody, I think has that battle of how to fit it all in. How do you do it? Well, when I'm not coming back from injury, like I am now, um, I would typically, sometimes I would have doubles. So I would just basically run before work and after work (laughs) and, and, you know, then go to work. Like most of the days I have my best days at work when I actually run before work. So it's actually beneficial for me and my students because it just put me in a better spirit. So I don't mind if I have to wake up at four o'clock or 345 to get out to the track to do my workout, which I did last week because I had PT. So and I like to run before PT. So I'm going to just get up and make it happen. I just always been a person like if I sit like I remember in college, my coach would always tell me to approach things like approach everything in life like a race and that's how I approach life like for a race I gotta warm up I gotta do this so I have no problem getting up because this is something that I want to achieve and accomplish and I feel like things that are important to people you find time for it no matter what time it's it's be late or early in the morning yeah sounds like you're a Sounds like you're you're an early early riser, which I, I find a lot of folks. I always say, win the morning, win the day, right? You got to get it done early for me, at least, if it's going to happen. Your Instagram is a fun follow. Peach Runner twenty six point two is the handle, and I was watching your feed a little bit, 
and the Friday dance parties are, I, I think, are my favorite. You on a you know pretty regularly on Fridays. It maybe it's just you, maybe it's you and your team. You got your physical therapist, your trainers, all doing it with you. Where did that come from, Shawana? Why Fridays, and and how'd you get into the Friday dance party thing on Instagram? Well, actually, you know, I was inspired by so it's so many years ago. Like at first I was doing this thing where I was doing pictures and copying people pictures because, you know, I was just trying to find things to lighten people up, give put put a smile on people's face, something funny. You know, I love the dance, even though I may not be the best dancer. But I mean, I got inspired. I heard somebody on a podcast said something about they dance before races and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just dance on Fridays. And if I can get people to dance with me, you know, we can have a big dance party. You know, this weekend um, during Olympic trials, this one lady, this one friend I know from um, Pennsylvania, she was like, I always wanted to do a Friday dance. Would you do you ever pre-record? And I was like, no, I actually do them on Fridays <laughs> because it's the Friday dance. And I was like, but okay, this time we can do a pre-recorded one because, you know, and sometimes I do them virtual, but, you know, it's just basically just to bring a smile to people's face because I know a lot of people are going through a lot of things and they can just pop up their Instagram and they see something funny, make them laugh, put them in good spirits. It's a lot of fun. Peach Runner 26.2. That's the handle. So check it out, especially on Fridays. If you want a little something to get you fired up for your maybe your Saturday long run or whatever it is, Shawana going to help you get hyped up. She's going to get you hyped for your Saturday run. So definitely got to check it out. Shawana, you are on Gary Corbett's The List. Um, and Gary, of course, is a friend of New York Roadrunners, the son of New York Roadrunners first president, Ted Corbett. And Gary created this list of Black marathoners who have gone sub three hours. Uh, again, you are kind of at the top of that list with 16 sub three hour marathons. A lot of people maybe know the list, but don't know how this list even came about. How did you and, and, and Gary first start talking about this? And where did the idea of creating this list come from? Well, I, I give all props to Gary. Um, he the one who decided to create a list. I just I was just a person with a lot of questions because as again, as we was talking about earlier about seeing people who look like me, because I was just curious because I knew about all the great Kenyan runners and Ethiopian runners. Cause I'm a fan of the sport, like I'm a nerd, but I was just curious. I was like, do anybody from the U S who were born here run distance running? Because all I see is just me at the road races. So I was curious, have anybody ever qualified for the Olympic trials? But I got that inspiration because I was reading um, Abby Burfoot book on um, women of first running history. I'm probably messing that up, but I was reading that. And then I learned about Marilyn Bevins and I was just curious, are there any more Marilyn Bevins out there? And so that's why I reached out to Abby and then Abby put me in contact with Tony and Gary. And then you know, Gary started answering all my questions and he started coming back with a list. And I was like, wow, this is just so exciting and amazing. And and then in the progress, he just keep adding and adding and adding and the list just keep growing. And it's awesome to see because ladies are getting inspired. So now I'm actually, you know, able to see more people. And even this past weekend, I saw Erica, who's one of the people on the list. And Ari, she participated in the trial. And Peyton, who's from Georgia, like me. So it was just it's just great. But I give all props to Gary. Like I started off with a question based on what I read in the book and 
Gary just went full force and made the list come alive. And now we're aspiring many women who look like me to go out there and run 26.2 and try to break three hours. It's just the power of uh, telling the story, right? And giving people a sense that, hey, it's been done. There are people out there who've done it. Here's a list of, of folks you can try to get on yourself. And so I know there are a lot of folks out there inspired by this and trying to get on this list as well. And you mentioned uh, Marilyn Bevins. You actually ran the 2023 Boston Marathon as part of Team Bevins, uh, which is great. Uh, she was the first black woman to run a sub three hour marathon. What what did it mean for you to run that race for Team Bevins? Yes, I, I ran that marathon for Team Be Bevins injured, and it was probably it was the start of why I'm coming back. But I I couldn't miss out on that opportunity, like because Marilyn Bevins she she paved the way for women of color, and you know. To have the chance to run in her honor was like a privilege and like a dream come true because I never ever in a million years thought I would be able to meet her. And I have had so many chances to spend time with her, even at the um, Flying Pig where I was inducted into the Black Marathons Hall of Fame. And we actually went to a race and we warmed up together. And, you know, it's, it's just it was just a sight. And when when the call was asked to run for her, it was Hands down, I was going to do it, no problem. It's great. It really is. Uh, that history and having a connection to it really is everything. For folks listening, Shawana, as you know, we're kicking off Black History Month, talking about black marathoners, what advice would you give to someone who wants to contribute, uh, try to help create more representation of African-American women or men um, in this sport, you know, and, and starting to see more diversity at the starting line? What what advice do you have in terms of how they can contribute and make that happen? I think by sharing other people's stories, that's that's the way the power of social media and just sharing stories. Like in my um, community, um, the Black Girls Run, um, Beanne, she's a coordinator. She's sharing different marathons throughout the month right now in the Facebook pages. So it's exposing other people to you know, the black marathoners. And I think it's just the power of sharing. And like, even in my class, I mean, I'm not sharing all about marathoners, but, but black athletes, because I did a whole series when the documentary came out, I shared, you know, that with my students, because they all knew that I was going to be in a documentary and, you know, and they were so excited to see it. So just keep exposing, whether it's kids, or even if you're in groups, like, like even it doesn't matter running groups need to expose other people by just sharing the stories and social media. That's the power of sharing all these stories out here in this day and time. So, yeah. All right. Shawana, let's talk about your running now for a second. I know you're, you're trying to work your way back from an injury right now. Uh, where are you? What's your What's your kind of like forward looking plans for running again? How's the whole injury recovery going? Well, it's it's going well. I mean, I'm not experiencing any pain in my hamstring. And for the listeners, um, back in September of 2023, I got an MRI, which discovered that I had a hamstring tear in both legs. So, you know, during that time, I had to take some months off. And then I went to PT. And now I'm on the progress where I can run. And I've been running 5Ks and dropping my times. And, you know, we're gradually increasing the mileage and the intensity. And I'm still in PT because 
it's not time to leave PT yet, but I'm hoping by the end of the year to be able to run a marathon where I try to break three hours and add another number to that, add 17 to that is, you know, make it hard to break, you know, because as Kira said in her interview, you know, records are meant to be broken. So I want to make that record a little hard to reach. That would be something that'd be number 17 for you. Um, geez, for some of us out here just trying to get one, Shawana, I mean, you are you are really just putting up some impressive numbers. Uh, for folks who, and everybody in the sport, have, have dealt with the process of coming back from an injury, it can be hard, right? You have to have the patience and the, the obviously a team that you've got around you helping you. What's the number one piece of advice you, you would give to somebody out there who is trying to get through a period of injury? to get back to running? Yeah, I would tell him or her to celebrate the victories, like in PT. Say, like, for example, if you struggle with something and then the next time you was able to do it, celebrate that. If you was able to walk, run, celebrate that. Also, you know, I know a lot of people like to get away from the sport when they're injured, but I encourage them to go out there and still be part of the sport by volunteering, going out and cheering on your friends because the power of just cheering on and seeing your friends achieve their goals or just helping somebody out like that is is very powerful if you just allow it. You just got to be open to allowing it and don't be afraid because it's going to help your spirit and help your mentally again positivity right that's what that's what it comes down to picking those victories Mm -hmm. exactly i love it all right before i let you go i gotta ask you about hashtag sexy pace (laughs) i I love the hashtag see it all over your instagram feed now here on set the pace our podcast what is a sexy pace exactly shawana You know, sexy pace is just another way of saying easy running just to make it seems cool, you know, trying to find positivity and running slow because a lot of people like to go so fast on their easy days. So instead of just thinking of it as a slow run, think of it as a sexy pace, you know, the slower, the better and the more sexier it is. That's a good, good hashtag for somebody trying to work their way back from an injury, right? It can be fun to go at a nice, easy pace, a sexy pace. So love that, Shawana. Love talking to you. Really great having you on. Congrats on everything. I mean, what an incredible running career you've had, inspirational to so many folks out there. Great to kick off Black History Month with you here and look forward to seeing you back out there on the roads real soon. All right. Thank you. Now it's time for today's member moment. And we have joining us a woman who is now more associated with the Boston Marathon, but truly a New York area native and a member of New York Roadrunners showing the the partnership between Boston and New York perfectly. Adrian Benton, who is a member of the Boston Athletic Association Board of Governors and also just a great runner. Adrian, it's great to have you on Set the Pace. People think there's a rivalry between New York and Boston, but here you are, an NYRR member and a member of the Board of Governors of BAA. It's great to have you with us. Yes, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And um, New York Roadrunners, as well as the New York Marathon, holds a special place for me, being from Newark, New Jersey. And then on top of that, uh, New York City Marathon was my very first marathon in 2017 at 54. And uh, having all my family there and all that, it was just 
such a phenomenal experience. Uh, unfortunately, my sister, my youngest sister had passed away earlier that year, but she knew I was training and, and we just had such a celebration uh, for her life uh, and, and also celebrating my personal accomplishment as, as well as just family. Um, uh, it was the first time that my family had even attended a marathon. Mm. So it was really a nice paradigm shift for everyone, but it was, it was such a joyful time. And, 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 and also it was just a pleasure to be introduced to the senior striders. And, and I've been uh, supporting the senior striders in one way or another over the years. Uh, they hold a special place in my heart. I've met so many wonderful, wonderful folks through the senior striders. And I'm just so happy that the New York Roadrunners has a program of that type. Uh, it is just phenomenal that you cater to seniors, you support their health and well-being throughout the five boroughs. Extremely important, extremely necessary. And, and just to see these people year after year, you see the changes from, from them saying, oh, I've been only doing this for a few months. And then I see them a year later and, and, and they're so much more youthful and vibrant and strong. We love the Striders. Thank you for calling them out. It's a great program. Love seeing them at our races so often uh, doing their thing, walking, walk running. So thank you so much for mentioning that. And Adrian, your story as a, as a runner is incredible. You know, you only started running about 10 years ago in your 50s. Since then, you've run eight marathons, including the 2017 and 2021 TCS New York City marathons, as well as 5Ks and 10Ks. And not only are you on the board of governors of the BAA, but you also were the founder of the Black Unicorn Marathoners. Can you talk about that, the Black Unicorn Marathoners, that group? Yeah, the Black Unicorn Marathoners, basically, it was started just to celebrate people of color, BIPOC people running the Boston Marathon. You know, a lot of times when we're present in, in, in places, we kind of get lost, um, uh, there aren't a lot of things going on that that are sort of culturally relevant to us or or where we feel connected. And this was a way for us to begin to establish connections with each other as BIPOC runners, but also establish connections with the city, establish connections with the BAA. And, and the BAA has been extremely supportive of, of our celebration every year. Um, uh, it has really um, uh, integrated itself into other things like the Boston Running Collaborative, uh, the city of Boston feels more welcoming to to runners of color now, and and even the runners that live in Boston, you know, um, very very sort of um, um, detached from from what was going on. And now the connections, I mean, there are so many more connections um, that have happened over these last ten years. Uh, we're actually going to be celebrating our tenth anniversary uh, this April, and on April thirteenth, we'll be having a celebration at the Reggie Lewis Center. Uh, everyone is welcome. Um, we especially want the youth to come to see these runners. You know, these runners look like your auntie, your uncle, and 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 your grandparents and everyone else. Um, we have uh, folks from the city, you know, to welcome uh, to welcome the runners. The runners get to introduce themselves to to not only the community, but they get to introduce themselves to each other, which is extremely important. Is forming these relationships. Uh, there were runners who had run the Boston Marathon for 17 plus years and had never met other people of color in in numbers. Uh, and, and the numbers are increasing. I'm also happy to say that through the Boston Running Collaborative, there are now 30 invitational runners from the various local run groups who will be running the Boston Marathon this year. Uh, they're going through their training program and getting ready, but uh, 
it, it has just been phenomenal in, in terms of all the different things that could happen. And we have the, um, well, we're, we hope to have Team Bevins again this year. Uh, we celebrated Marilyn Bevins last year um, uh, by having four uh, esteemed uh, black female U.S. born runners uh, run in honor of her in, in the Boston Marathon. That was um, Elisa Harvey, um, Shawana, um, um, Sika Henry, and um, uh, oh gosh, I'm going blank right now. Ingrid, Ingrid Walters. There you go. Um, but uh, they did a stellar job and, and, and Marilyn was just overwhelmed, but she deserves every bit of accolades that she can get. And for those that don't know, uh, Marilyn Bevins was the first U.S. born black woman to run a sub three hour marathon. She did so at the 1975 Boston Marathon. So she is an indelible part of Boston Marathon history also. Adrian, you're doing such a great job uh, putting that group together and creating that community. We just actually had Shawana White on the podcast before you, and we talked about the importance of seeing people who look like ourselves at these starting lines. And yes. you know, in a, in a race that's 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 runners, there may be 100 really fast black runners in the race, but you're so spread apart, right? You're so diluted <laughs> yeah. in a sense, you might not know they're there. Can right. you talk about for those, you know, whether it's, you know, people who don't quite get why, why it's so important to have this community and see people who look like you at these races, why does it matter so much? Well, it's about it's about having that diversity of experience and voices heard, right? You know, everybody has a different story, everybody has a different experience, but one of the things we want to make sure is that you're celebrated and you're seen. Um, uh, once people know that they're celebrated and seen, it really makes all of the other hurdles that we have in our day-to-day -day lives a lot, you know, a lot easier, whether or not that's um, racism and the other type of bias that happens, you know, we're able to manage that a little bit more. And, and, and also it's important for others to be able to acknowledge that those things exist and we need to make some changes. So, so I can say that we've gotten, you know, a lot of support from the broader community in terms of what we're doing. Um, uh, people, People generally understand why the celebratory part is important and, 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 and why it's important to sort of single out this group is not to be exclusive, but actually to be more inclusive, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people see the value in that, uh, whether you're a white person or whether or not you're a BIPOC person, um, um, if you come and experience the event, uh, you really come away with something uh, that you can take away for your own personal self as well as for others. And, and it really helps to change people's perspectives. Adrian, you've got five of the six Abbott World Marathon majors under your belt. Yes. Just Tokyo to go. What's the game plan? Is that in your future? Well, game plan, looking at 2025. I was looking at 2024, but you know, between a lot of different obligations and things of that sort, you know, I, I want to try to um, make it my best marathon. So um, um, according to Maria Romano, who happens to be a coach with the New York Roadrunners, um, I can do better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I've been being pushed in terms, in terms of my, my, my overall athleticism. And I think I really have it in me to uh, to really try to run a stellar race. So I'm going to slate it for 2025. Uh, so I have time to really 
train and focus and, and sort of manage my work-life balance also. Um, that's the whole other part of it. So I love it. She doesn't want to just get that star. She wants to get it in style, run a good race, represent. I want to, I want to try. Now, the bar's not high. I'm not a fast runner. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think I'm a diligent runner. And I think just the fact that I have running to to raise my consciousness around staying healthy um, and and really looking looking at my own quality of life, uh, running really helps to do that. You know, uh, training for a marathon, 5K, 10K, whatever it is, training to walk around the corner, right, uh, is, is just extremely important to our health and well-being. And I always encourage people, especially people around my age, that that if you just get out and walk 15 minutes a day, you will be surprised at the amount of things that change with your body and mind, just, just doing that. And, and I've had people come back to me and say, wow, you know, I'm walking a half an hour now a day and this has happened to my body or this, this is how I'm thinking now. Or this is how I'm feeling. You know, how we feel is extremely important, you know, and that's another reason why we have the Black Unicorn Marathon is because, you know, people... People um, remember things you say and all those other things, but they really, really remember how you make them feel. Thank you so much, Adrian, for, first of all, for your calling out walking and the power of walking to make lives better, because we sometimes don't talk about that enough in the running world, but couldn't agree more. Thank you for your leadership in Boston and everything you've done. And thank you for continuing to be a New York Roadrunners member, despite all the great things you've done up there in Beantown. (laughs) We look forward to seeing you at the Boston Marathon. I'll be there, of course. Meb will be there. Yeah, and we're going to be celebrating Meb at our Black Unicorn event. Uh, Meb has been a part of the event probably for seven years out of the 10. And and, and he is just such such a, a jewel in our run community. Um, um, he always has wonderful advice to give. He doesn't mind talking to everyone. Uh, he's very approachable and, and, and we really appreciate him being part of our black unicorn marathoners, um, community. I always say walking around Boston with Meb Kofleski the weekend of the Boston Marathon is like walking around London with Paul McCartney. Like it's yes. just he's just <laughs> yes. a legend. You can't get yes. anywhere with that yeah. guy. So we're missing him yes. this week, but I know he sends his best and we'll all see you in Boston pretty soon. Sounds like a plan. All right. Adrian Benton, a member of the BAA Board of Governors, founder of the Black Unicorn Marathoners as well. Great to have you with us. Thank you. Well, Meb's not here today, so we don't have a Meb minute, but we're going to do a quick Rob recap, if we'll call it that, of recovering from injury. Shawana talked about her struggles to recover from an injury. I have my own struggles. Last summer, you might recall, I talked about trying to run the Chicago Marathon, and my knee just would not cooperate. I really had to shut down training and running, actually, for a couple of months. Took some time off, started to build back slowly, and now I'm really happy to say I'm running as well as I've run in a long time, set a PR in the 10K a couple of weeks ago. So how did I do it? Well, for me, it was really a couple of quick things. Simply, number one, rest. And then number two, just managing the buildup in a more gradual way. I think a lot of the reason I got hurt last summer was coming into this job, I started running a lot more. And I really ramped up my mileage very quickly. Never a good idea. You got to ramp it up slowly. Our coaches at New York Roadrunners do a great job of helping to coach runners through 
building up mileage in a slow, manageable way, whether it's through our group training or other ways you can connect with them. So just think of it like a slope, not like a set of stairs. You go up nice and slowly, no quick elevator jumps in your mileage, and you will hopefully not get injured, but then also have an easier time of recovering from an injury as well. So just keep at it. I know a lot of you are out there trying to get back. Hope you can do it and hope to see you all at the starting line of a race very soon. All right, time now for our trivia question. On last week's episode, we spoke with incredible running phenom Jenny Simpson about her move up to the marathon distance. But before the marathon, Jenny reigned as the queen of the Fifth Avenue Mile. How many times has Jenny Simpson won the New Balance Fifth Avenue Mile? Go ahead and send your answer along with that screenshot proving that you've subscribed and left a rating to NYRR Podcast at NYRR.org. That's NYRR Podcast at NYRR.org. The drawing will end at midnight on February 14th, and a winner will be randomly selected on February 15th. All rules surrounding the sweepstakes are available at nyrr.org slash set the pace. Talked about Jenny Simpson, her big step up to the marathon. Jenny did not have the day she hoped for on trials day, ended up not finishing the race. You see that a lot with runners who are making that big step up from a shorter distance to the marathon. But you know, I know it was a disappointing day for her. You know who it was not a disappointing day for? Our own Roberta Groner, who joined us last week, New York Roadrunners member, an incredible day for Roberta after the first time she went through trials having a day similar to Jenny Simpson's where she did not finish. Roberta Groner finished in 24th place, a time of two hours, 33 minutes and 33 seconds. An incredible performance by her. I saw her after the race and gave her a big hug. So happy for Roberta Groner, for everyone at Central Park Track Club. Just an incredible day for Roberta. All right, that does it for this episode of Set the Pace. We want to thank Shawana White. And by the way, a quick note, the documentary that she referenced in her interview is called Breaking Three Hours. It's a documentary about all the women on Gary Corbett's The List. So we'll drop a link to that documentary in the show notes. We also want to thank Adrian Benton, our member moment today as well. That's it for now. Remember, life is like running. You got to keep going. We'll see you next week.